Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast. The I'm fixing a hole where the rain gets in. Addition, as I discuss the Bengals' free agent fixes with the team's director of player personnel, Duke Tobin. And then it's a wide-ranging conversation with Bengals.com editor Jeff Butch Hobson on what the Bengals have done so far and what they still might do. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Ultimate Bengals. Download Ultimate Bengals ahead of the 2022 season. It's free to play, next level, fantasy football with fantastic Bengals prizes. Get it now on the App Store and Google Play. And here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. It's the greatest thing since Triscuits. By now, you've probably heard the story about Joe Burrow having some of the Bengals' free agent acquisitions over to his house after dinner last week and offering up some crackers and cupcakes. I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that the crackers were Triscuits. For my money, the humble Triscuit, made largely from three ingredients, wheat, oil, and salt, is the perfect snack for a very specific set of circumstances. Here goes. You're hungry. You're looking for something to nosh on. And as you start to look through the cupboard, you find that box of Triscuits that you totally forgot about. Sure, they're not as tasty as potato chips, Doritos, Tostitos, or Fritos, but a few Triscuits always gets the job done. Whether you need a snack or need to impress free agent offensive linemen. Now, let's get to this week's guests. On Thursday, nearly 100 NFL GMs, coaches, and scouts attended Pro Day at the University of Cincinnati. The Bearcats could have as many as eight players drafted this year, and cornerback Ahmad Sauce Gardner is expected to go in the first half of the first round. The Bengals had several staff members on hand, including head coach Zach Taylor and director of player personnel Duke Tobin. I spoke to Duke when Pro Day was finished. Duke, how would you describe what the Bengals have been able to get done in free agency so far? Well, um, well, we planned our work and we worked our plan. Mm-hmm. And uh, you never know exactly how that's going to come together in free agency. It's, uh, there's a lot of moving pieces. Uh, but we were able to secure some guys that we were high on, that, that we felt fit needs for us and, and, and fit our culture, you know, number one. And, um, and so we're happy. We're pleased with the way it's gone so far. And, and, you know, we've got our eyes on the draft. We've still got some new guys that will be coming in via the draft. So we're excited. It's hard to keep uh, every team as is, but uh, if you're staying the same, uh, you're, you're getting worse. And so you've got to continually try to get better. And we think the guys that we're bringing in are, are going to help us do that. I'm paraphrasing Zach Taylor from a news conference that he did recently uh, the same day as Lyle Collins. But he said going into free agency, he was kind of hoping you would be able to add two offensive line starters and was pleasantly surprised it turned out to be three. Did you feel the same way? Well, I mean, we were looking at a lot of a lot of positions and and the opportunities came there, which was important to us because we wanted to, to, to make headway there. And we wanted to bring in some guys that were proven, guys that were leaders, guys that, you know, are consistent uh, players for us. Uh, we, we think that'll benefit our quarterback play for sure. And um, 
And yeah, it's, um, you know, you never know exactly how it's going to work out. You never know what the prices are going to be and who's going to have interest in you and, and, you know, who's going to go elsewhere. And you just keep grinding. It's a a long uh, 10 days or so, but the first few days are are very uh, involved to to get those deals in place. And our guys did a great job, you know, getting us set up to do that. Frank Pollock has made the term glass eaters uh, popular all of a sudden these days from uh, using that expression at the Combine. How much did these guys fit Frank Pollock, his personality, and the style of play? Yeah, I, I, I think they did, obviously. Um, you know, if we're going to pay, like I said at the Combine, if you're going to pay somebody a lot of money, you want to make sure you know what you're getting. And with these three guys, we know what we're getting. And um, you know, they're they're guys that have shown that that number one, they're good teammates. Number two, they can produce on the field. And and um, so we're happy that it came together. We're chatting with Duke Tobin. Let me get a thumbnail sketch on those offensive linemen, beginning with Ted Karras. He's 29, just turned 29. He's got two Super Bowl rings, penciled in to play center for the Bengals. He's obviously played center in both guard positions in his NFL career. You know, versatile. Uh, can do a lot of different things. We think he's a good leader of men. Uh, we, we believe that he can be a, a very quality center and mesh well with Joe. Um, we believe he sees the game very well, which a center has to do. And uh, it, we believe he's able to, uh, to direct the traffic. And, and when you're in the middle of the offensive line, you got to be able to do that. And then his play speaks for itself. It's very consistent. Down in and down out, we think he's strong. We think he's tough. We think he can make all the blocks that we're going to require him to make. Alex Kappa will be your right guard, 27 years old, a Super Bowl ring with the Bucks two years ago. Yeah, uh, young in the prime of his career and, uh, and still got room to get better. And love his temperament when he plays. Uh, again, a guy that, that showed all the traits that, that we want in, in a starting guard and the ability to make all the blocks, run the scheme that we're going to run, and then you know hold the pocket firm, which is which is very important for for what we're doing. And uh, you know again, we're excited to have him. I, I think he's still got some improvement left to do, and he's a pretty darn good player right now. Lyle Collins turns 29 in July. It's pretty rare to get a premier offensive tackle in free agency, who obviously is making a lot of money, but not break the bank money. Yeah, you know, it came together. It was a great fit for him. It was a great fit for us. Um, you know, he, he last couple years, you know, had some challenges, you know, and, and we really feel like he's going to get back to playing football the way that he's used to playing it and um, and stay on the field. You know, there, there was there was a lot of moving pieces uh, getting that put together, but uh, we think we got it put together in a way that's that's good for both the Cincinnati Bengals and Lyle Collins, and um, so we're we're excited to to have him. He's a premier right tackle, and he can shut down that side of the field, and look forward to seeing him do it. You've added a 28-year-old tight end in Hayden Hurst, former first-round draft pick by the Ravens. What are you getting in Hayden Hurst? You know, we think in his new role, being being the main receiving tight end here, it, it, he'll have a chance to really jump in production. And um, you know, he's he's athletic, he's tough, he, he's he can he can perform all the things you want in a run game. But then we think he's going to be a pretty good matchup problem for us. He's got great hands, and he's he's about the right things. You know, it was very tough losing CJ. And um, that's just the nature of, of, of our game right now. Sometimes you lose really important guys, that guys that you have a lot of love for. 
but we think we did a good job in, in going out and finding a guy that can fill that role for us. CJ got three years, $24 million from the Jets, and it seems like a lot of the tight ends on the free agent market did very well financially. Was that market a little bit more generous than you thought it would be? Um, maybe. I, I think, you know, some of the uh, the very top guys got franchised, and, and so that helped the guys that were still uh, hitting free agency a little bit. And, and then you never know how free agency is going to go. It just takes one team to uh, see the need and and pay what they feel they need to pay to get them. And, uh, you know, we tried to compete uh, with CJ, and I think we, we did. Um, but, you know, everybody makes decisions, and, you know, I wish him well. He's, he's one of my favorite all-time guys. We're chatting with Duke Tobin at UC's Pro Day. Did the addition of three starting offensive linemen, quote-unquote, open up the draft and make it less likely that you would need to target an offensive lineman early? I, I think that's, you know, our philosophy is the draft is always open because uh, when you're picking 31st, you don't know exactly who's going to get down there, and you know you're going to have a pretty, uh, pretty uh, big pool of guys that that you like, and you want to take a guy that's worth the pick for sure, and not just a position. So, um, yeah, the more you can fill in on your team, the better you feel, and we filled in on our team and, and feel really good about what we have in the building right now. Uh, but we're going to stay open to any opportunities that come to us at 31, and we just don't know what those are, but we'll be ready for any of them. As I mentioned, we're chatting at UC's Pro Day. Eight of these guys were at the NFL Scouting Combine. Six were invited to the Senior Bowl. Are you amazed by what Luke Fickle's been able to do in developing NFL talent at the University of Cincinnati? It's been fantastic. I'm not amazed because I know what Luke's all about, and uh, I, I know what kind of coach he is and what kind of recruiter he is and, and how players respond to him. So I, I wouldn't call myself amazed, but it's been great for the city because, you know, it's uh, it's just something to rally around. And, uh, you know, what a great program and what a great group of guys. And, I, you know, I, I know he'll reload. This is a tough hit for him. He, he's got his own version of free agency where he can go out into the uh, portal now and <laughs> and perform some free agent magic maybe too and uh but there's a changing landscape in in the uh, college football scene with the nil money and the transfer portal and so there's a lot of work to be to be done and i know he's up to it and i'm looking forward to seeing his team next year because they're fun to watch last thing and i'll let you go russell wilson Deshaun Watson and Matt Ryan are all coming to the AFC from the NFC. Brandon Bean from the Bills recently said he's uh, calling for realignment <laughs> because there's so much talent now in the AFC. But how much more difficult is it getting to be the team that emerges from this conference and ultimately goes to the Super Bowl? Well, I know from experience it wasn't easy last year, so it's uh, it's only getting more difficult, and, and we'll be up for the challenge. We're, we're a team that, that people recognize now and, and recognize uh, – what we have and and again if you're staying the same you're getting worse and so uh, you know we're trying to improve and make uh, make gains as well uh, but yeah realignment doesn't sound so bad right now <laughs> thank you for the time i always appreciate it you bet the Bengals booth podcast is presented by ultimate Bengals, the free-to-play fantasy football game this past season, Ultimate Bengals awarded a weekly winner during the course of the year with tickets, autographed merchandise, and money-can't-buy experiences all up for grabs. Find Ultimate Bengals in the App Store and Google Play. Up next, Bengals.com editor, Jeff Hobson. Which I consider you my resident Bengals historian. So here's my first question today. Do you think the Bengals have ever addressed their off-season needs this decisively and effectively. Hordy, that's a kind way of saying I'm an old bat, but I appreciate <laughs> you uh, for, appreciate that. 
But I do, you know what? I, 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 they have, uh, I do think there have been uh, historical comparisons. I go back to 2003 in Marvin's first, uh, first season here. And, uh, you know, he attacked locker room culture and defense and had to find some starters. So that's the class that gave you Kevin Heidi, John Thornton, Tory James, Reggie Kelly, uh, you know, within about 48 hours, 36 hours. That was a pretty good haul, you know. And then they did some of that sporadically in that in the first couple of years of Marvin. And then in 2011, and it might have been spurred by the lockout because they couldn't do anything. As you remember, they couldn't do anything from about uh, February until the camps opened in July. So they had to go fast. And that, of course, uh, then they had to go quick. And they got Nate Clements, Thomas Howard, Manny Lawson, which was a pretty good, you know, that was a pretty good run there to get that defense together. Um, so there have been, there have been, I think, moments like this, but I think back to back and hitting their needs because in 03, they needed everything and they got everything. But in this one, a very specific need and they went out and they, not only did they get it, but I think they got the three guys. They probably, if you talk to them privately, those were the guys, those are the three guys they could envision being here. And they did it, and they did it quickly. And um, and they not only that, but they lost the tight end, and then pivoted and got a guy who's, you know, at least numbers wise, is a pretty good uh, match for CJ Uzama. So, I would say there have been moments 03, 11, but uh, if you put twenty one on top of, uh, if you put twenty two on top of twenty one on top of twenty, no three year stretch has has there ever been, you know, you got. Uh, 2021 you had about you get you get you pulled uh four or five Super Bowl starters and you know so you look at the opening day lineup for 2022 and about probably about half are going to be uh, free agents they've been one of the biggest spenders in the NFL and free agency over the last three years at what point is the national media going to stop calling Cincinnati cheap yeah you know what uh Horty if they haven't done it now I don't know if they're going to because they went to the Super Bowl and they went to the Super Bowl probably because of their, if you want to say the number one reason they went to the Super Bowl, well, besides Burrow, obviously, but their defense and their defense was constructed in 2020 and 2021 and combined, they committed about a quarter of a billion dollars of total money and they went to the Super Bowl. And if they're going to still call them cheap, then I just I don't know how you get I don't know how you get you know I guess the only way you can do it is you win the Super Bowl and you get a parade and Burrow <laughs> tries to throw the trophy to Hayden Hurst I guess I mean is that I guess that's I guess that's the only way it's going to stop. Hopefully, it'll not be from one boat to the other like uh, Tom oh. Brady. You know, the other amusing thing to me is you know not only do they still get called cheap by some, but they get criticized for signing guys to smart contracts. Now that makes no sense whatsoever. When you can convince a really good player top 15 at his position as all three of those offensive linemen are graded by pro football focus to sign what can probably considered a, a team friendly deal. That to me says your front office is smart and doing a great job. Not that you're somehow cheap. No, right. I mean, it, it also tells you, you got a pretty good club because people are willing to do that. And, and the other thing, Hordy, I get a laugh about is they call, they talk about uh, their out of date, uh, uh, their out of date uh, um, approach to guaranteed money. 
it's out of date because they don't guarantee beyond the first year. And, you know, is it, is it, is it out of date or is it smart? Uh, you know, particularly when you have a, uh, I think they've found other ways to do it, by the way, roster bonuses and such, but they have found ways to get, you know, to, to, to do that without getting in trouble with guaranteed money. And, you know, you, you know, I can't stress enough the, the, the specter of the Joe, I shouldn't call it a specter. It'll be a happy moment to get Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow will become the, probably the richest football player who ever played. He'll probably have that title for about eight minutes, <laughs> but it's going to happen. And you gotta, and you gotta, and you know, and you gotta buckle down, and you know, you gotta just gotta. That might be when they stop saying that they're cheap forty, because I would imagine at some point they'll probably have to get past that guaranteed money thing with Burrow. But I, I'm, I'm amazed at the, uh, at, you know, at calling it out of date. Is it out of date, or is it, or is it, or is it effective? To me, it's a, to me, it's effective because it's what you said. They were able to get these guys for basically team-friendly deals, make their team much better. And not blow up the cap. You know, they haven't had to deal their best player, which teams have done. You know, they haven't had to, you know, cut, you know, a right tackle like the Cowboys had to do. So I just, you know, I, I, uh, but, you know, I get, and they went to the Super Bowl. So we went to the Super Bowl with this philosophy. So, you know, they got to be doing something right. No question. So all three of these guys are in their 20s. So they get them in their prime or close to it. None of them is breaking the bank. If you add up the three in terms of their per year uh, salary, it's 21.75 mil. There are tackles making about that much. I mean, Teron Armstead got 15 million a year this year. So that wasn't crazy money for a tackle. Brandon Scherf got $16.5 million a year. The combination inside of Kappa and Karras gets far less than that for what the Jags are going to play, pay Brandon Scherf, who's a great player, but has been injury prone and is in his thirties. Yeah. I mean, it was, it's kind of the same philosophy they used with the Ouzier and Hilton uh, in the wait last year in the wake of the Jackson deal, they got two for the price of one. And it's interesting. I was talking to one of the scouts today and they say, you know, Hey, that's, that's the, you get spread it out. Cause if you like Armstead, you know, great, great player, but if that's your one free agent and he gets hurt, you know, you're held hostage to that money. You know, I mean, at least you can spread this thing out. And I, but to me, the key thing is, is players got to want to be here and sign those deals and they know they got a shot to get to the big game. You know, so I think, you know, you know, when you sign a check, you know, it's Katie Blackburn signing the check, but maybe in the notations, it's a uh, thank you, Joe Burrow with the notations, you know, and I, you know, in those little, uh, in those little notes, you know, so uh, that's the big, that's the big thing is because, uh, if you had a, if you were trying, and we, and they've been here, and they've been in the point where they've had to, had to kind of blow out big deals because they had to lure guys to get here, you know. And so, that roster, having a, having a, having, having a good roster, boy, does that, that, uh, that helps you convince guys. There's no question the borough factor is real when it comes to free agency. From everything I've heard. In the run-up to free agency, agents were calling the Bengals, saying, yeah. "My guy wants to play in Cincinnati." Yeah, the most popular guy in Indy was Steve Radisovic, who who's the uh, Bengals director of uh, pro scouting and is the point man in free agency. And I'm sure he had to tell him, "Look, uh, guys, we'll talk to you when we can talk to you." But uh, you know, I'm I'm sure that Monday they got a lot. Monday, the first day of free agency, they got a lot of. Uh, just exactly what you're talking about. And I think that it's, uh, 
But not only is he a, is he a great player, but I think he's the kind of guy. Obviously, you watch him play, you love the guy. You love the way the guy plays. I mean, um, I, uh, who was the guy? Who was the guy? Uh, I was talking to the one of the coaches, uh, the new coach, the new linebackers coach. His name is James Betcher. Yep, he's got a ten-year-old kid, and he says, uh, "Well, buddy, we got a choice. You know, we're going to either uh, come back to Frisco or we're going to go to Cincinnati." And uh, the kid said, boy, Joe Burrow, that's great. Let's go. You know, and he said, and he said, it looks like we're going to go to Cincinnati. And the kid said, great, Joe Burrow, uh, let's, you know, let's go. So, uh, you know, uh, everybody knows Burrow, you know, it's, 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 it's great to have a great to have a player like that. So which of these free agent acquisitions is your favorite? Uh, you know, probably just cause he came from New England, right? Ted Karras. But, uh, uh, I, I I do I do like Karras in the sense that he's you know he's been so well coached and lap touched has I'm sure has touched on this and I had the opportunity to talk to Coach Skarnecchia Dante Skarnecchia Karras's uh, line coach with the Patriots who's one of, he was probably the Jim McNally of his day you know the ultimate offensive line guru and if you look at the you know for years we've been looking at the Patriots lines and they've always kind of haven't dumped a lot of money in there. They always seem to trade guys when they get about ready to do a big deal. And because they know that coach Skarnecki could really, you know, the whole thing is about a unit. It's not the guy, you know? And so, you know, Karras is a uh, uh, well, well coached because if he comes out of that New England program, he's just got a great story. I mean, the guy, I think he's related to seven, I think seven of his family members played in the big 10. And of course he's a third generation player and he's, you know, the, uh, uh, the grand nephew of Alex Karras, one of the, one of the great characters in NFL and TV history. You know, he's got a great story himself. So he's got a, comes from a great, uh, great, uh, a great family pedigree, uh, well coached in the game and, you know, got a, you know, got the perfect, he's the perfect center. He's a smart guy. He's all in, he's all lineman. He's all offensive lineman right down the road in Indianapolis. He said he grew up an hour and 45 away from Paul Brown. So I think it's just, uh, you know, it's a, uh, it's a great get for those guys. I mean, all, I mean, all of them are great. I mean, you know, all of them were great, were great gets, but uh, Karras is an interesting guy. Very charismatic guy, great sense of humor. And that versatility is huge. Obviously you're going to have injuries at some point on the offensive line. If he has to kick over to guard, he can do it uh, right now. Penciled into play center. Be interesting to see if Tyler Linderbaum were there at 31. I don't know if the Bengals have him graded as highly as some of these draft gurus, but if they do, and he's there, Karras's ability to potentially play guard would be interesting. You know, that's draft discussion is still to come. I would say for me, I, I just can't believe how fortunate they were to land Lael Collins. Yeah. He's not even 29 years old yet. When healthy, he's proven to be one of the best right tackles in the NFL. He's going to be the 10th highest paid right tackle in the league if the reports of his contract are accurate, three years, 21 mil, there are five tackles in the NFL making more than $17 million a year. And the Bengals get a great one in his prime for $7 million a year. That yeah. is tremendous value for a player of his skill level and track record. Oh, I mean, it's uh, and I think you're right. Uh, I mean, he's a favorite too, just because of uh, he comes out of the Frank Pollock school. So uh, it, 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 not only do they get a guy that you, just as you so well said, Horty, 
a top player at a, at a bargain rate, but at a guy who knows the he can walk in, he knows the scheme blind blindfold. He can walk in and he can play right tackle and in this scheme, and he's got a great report. I mean, to me, what they did with those three guys, they not only you know talent wise, but look how they changed the culture of the room. You know, you got Karras uh, uh, has been to two Super Bowl. Karras has two rings. Kappa has one ring, you know, and Collins has uh, been, was a part of one of the top offensive lines in the game and has worked with the, worked with the offensive line coach, who's a, uh, who's an own story himself with his, with his mindset. And uh, so I, you know, uh, the, the Collins, the Collins signing, it's just, I think it really is a, is it, it tells you, A, it tells you how effective they were what it's meant, what the Super Bowl appearance meant to them around the league, but it also shows you, I think, what uh, what they got in Pollock and, you know, how they've really, uh, I mean, you know, just a week ago, we were talking about how bad they were in the offensive line, and uh, it was a punchline. They were a punchline, and it's all you heard about, and suddenly you got to feel like they're, at the very least, they're a hell of a lot better. No question about it. They've still got a few bucks to spend in free agency, not for high-priced guys, but for you know, roster depth kind of guys, what yeah. positions do you think they're most likely to target? Well, they clearly got a, a shore up cornerback. Uh, you know, as, uh, there are going to be some good linemen there, but, you know, at 31, if they can grab a good corner, I think that's going to be, a, it's going to be, that's going to be the position of priority because all they've got are the three starters. So they need depth there. Uh, and I think also they're probably looking at, uh, you know, s- still looking for a backup tackle probably looking for a rotation defensive tackle, probably also looking for a rotational edge player, you know? Uh, but I do think they're, uh, I do think they're looking at defense. I, you know, they've also got to pick up uh, some kind of a wide receiver, a wide receiver or two, because they've got, uh, they don't really don't have any depth. Uh, they really don't have any depth there. So, uh, you know, the, the, it's like the same thing at corner, the three, the three they got are really good, but, uh, you know, they need some numbers behind it, but I would say, you know, cornerback rotational defensive linemen and, uh, wide receivers. I think that's what we're looking at now. After Larry Ogunjobi's deal in Chicago fell through when he flunked his physical is a return to Cincinnati on a short-term deal, a possibility in your opinion. I think the jury's out for another month. I think they're going to have to get a look at the foot. They're going to have to see how the foot is. I think they're going to try and get probably other players before that. Um, Bengals made a strong, bold move for B.J. Hill. I don't know how Larry's going to feel about that. Um, but uh, I think, you know, they would uh, – Larry Ovenjobi as a, as a guy, you won't find a better guy, a yep. better locker room guy. And uh, obviously his seven sacks showed you what a fine player he is. So I got to believe if he's healthy and he wants to come back, I got to believe, you know, in another month that that would be an option. But I don't know that they're going to – wait around, you know what I mean? And wait around for that. I think they gotta, you know, they gotta, they obviously feel like, I think they get the kind of fill in the back end of that, that depth chart on the D line. I don't know if they can wait for Larry's foot or not. Let's talk safeties. Jesse Bates right now is on the franchise tag for 12.9 mil for the, this upcoming season. They can continue to negotiate with him until July 15th to try to work out a long-term deal for whatever reason safeties have not been breaking the bank this year in free agency. Marcus Williams goes from the Saints to the Ravens. He gets $14 million a year. Great money, obviously, but not at the top of the pay scale for safety. 
Justin Reed goes from Houston to Kansas City. He gets $10.5 million a year. Now, I don't think either of those guys is as good as Jesse Bates, but is the fact that safeties are not getting big bucks this free agency cycle, for whatever reason, potentially going to help Cincinnati work out a deal with Jesse Bates? I think the Bengals are committed to getting something done with Jesse. I really do, because he's such a good locker room guy, and he's such a good player. I mean, he's the whole package. He's a total package. Uh, the problem is they got to put that, they got to fit that package in with a contract for a franchise quarterback. And uh, where does a safety fit in that? And, uh, you know, that's, that's, I think that's the, I think that's the, I, I, we said, I call it the specter of Burroughs contract because I think it was also, you could see the shadow of it in this, in this, uh, in this free agency run, they went for the middle, you know, they basically went for the, you know, uh, the, there was a no, there was not a Trey Hendrickson deal for them. You know, they were not going to make a Trey Hendrickson deal or a DJ Reader deal. They really can't with, 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 uh, with Burrow, uh, looming where Jesse fits into that. I'm not sure. I know they want to get something done with him, uh, you know, to lock him up because he's a guy they want, um, but I just don't know if Jesse's looking at those other deals, you know? I mean, I don't, you know, like you said it, those two guys are not Jesse Bates. So, you know, I think, uh, you know, if, if you're Bates and his agent and you're at this point, you know, I don't know, uh, do you go for another cycle or do you, or do you go for the security, you know? And it's a, uh, it's a tough, uh, you know, I'm glad I'm not, a, I don't have to, I'm glad I don't have to answer that question. I'm glad <laughs> I get to observe. The Burrow contract is going to be very interesting. The top quarterbacks in the NFL are all making more than $40 million a year. He certainly is going to make above 40 million uh, based on what he's done so far in his NFL career. But the length of some of these quarterback uh, contracts varies wildly. Patrick Mahomes signed a 10 year deal for nearly half a billion dollars. Deshaun Watson, five years all guaranteed 230 million bucks. So that's 46 million a year. So Burrow's going to make a ton of money. The interesting thing to see will be how it's structured. Can they spread it out like Kansas city did to lessen the, the yearly cap impact? Do they want to reach a deal that long uh, with a quarterback with anybody? It's you'd like to think that Joe's going to want to have good players around him so yeah. that, you know, he'll want to get paid what he deserves, but, I don't know. Maybe I'm giving him too much credit. I don't know, but I'd like to think that he will look at this as all right. How can I get above $40 million like the top quarterbacks get, but also structure it in such a way that I can keep contending for Super Bowl titles? I don't think there's any doubt he'll say that. I, I have no doubt in my mind. Um, and, you know, uh, the Brown family's been here before and they've done it. Uh, they made Boomer a Sison, if I'm not mistaken. They gave, made, made him the highest paid quarterback in the league. Uh, at one point, they made Carson Palmer the highest paid quarterback in the league. Carson's was an interesting uh, structure there. I think it went uh, when he signed it at the end of 2005, it went to 2014. Now, of course, he didn't see it all the way. He had to trade the man and they and they and they traded him. But, um, you know, I think uh, plus it's a different game now. It's a different league now than it was back then. But, you know, uh, Bengals have been in this thing before. And I think Burrow, uh, you know, I think they, I think they know each other pretty well. Burrow and the Burrow and the Bengals. I think it's uh, they seem to be on the same mind frame. And I think, you know, 
you know, we've watched Brady down through the years. I think Brady down through the years always took a team-friendly deal. And, uh, you know, I, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I, I think, uh, you know, but, but anybody who has, you know, I don't know Burrow all that well. I've talked to him a little bit. I've talked to a lot of people that do know him. But I talked to Burrow enough to know that he wants to win. Oh, yeah. So, so at whatever, at whatever that has to happen, whatever that means financially, I, I, you know, I don't know because I'm not, you know, I'm not an economist, which you have to be nowadays, but uh, to figure this thing out or Paul Daner, whichever comes first. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but Daner, Daner said this a long time ago. He thought that Burrow would be the uh, first $50 million dollar year quarterback. He may be right. But as you said, how does he, how do we structure it? And, uh, but I think there's been a pretty good roadmap for guys like Brady and the Brown family, which is, you know, they've, you know, negotiated a lot of these deals. So I would think it's going to fit, uh, fit the team in the market and the man. Of course, in Brady's case, his supermodel Brazilian wife was making more money than, than he was. So uh, yeah. that, that may have helped him settle for a few dollars less over the years. In any case, safeties, didn't get a ton of money in free agency tight ends did it seemed like anybody that played the position uh made serious bucks in this free agency cycle and kudos to cj uzama for getting his 24 mil over three years from the jets how big of a blow is that i think you know obviously in the locker room i think it's a shot anytime you lose one of your leaders borough loses one of his security guys you know i mean he always seemed to he seemed to know where cj was i was surprised cj did move because I really thought that Burrow, uh, when Burrow came, CJ's career took off. People, for, I mean, he was, in Joe's first two games, I, if I'm not mistaken, he threw his first touchdown pass to CJ before, in the same game, CJ blew out his Achilles. Correct. And, and then last year, you know, he was really a, a lot of big moments. So I was kind of surprised because I thought that was a real good, uh, real good tandem. So I think that's, a, that's obviously going to be a blow, I think, in, in the room because he's such a good guy. And an obviously a leader, but I think also the guy they signed in Hayden Hurst certainly has, you know, uh, put up better numbers than he did in his one year with Matt Ryan before um, before the rookie before Kyle Pitts arrived. You know, he put up a fifty catch season uh, with Ryan and and a bunch of touchdowns. So I I I think they came out of it pretty well on paper. You know, I mean I. I think, you know, obviously losing a guy with CJ's big personality, I think that, you know, you, you lose something there, but I also think it's a Zach's done a good job where he's made sure that, that, that locker room, there's enough big personalities in there that it could make up for, you know, that no, you don't, it doesn't rely on one guy, you know, of course the guy is burrow. You still got him. He's the, he's the magnet, but you've also, you've lost CJ, but you've lost, but you've also picked up three really good locker room guys in Kappa, Carrison, and Collins. And, you know, you still get Von Bell in the middle of the defense who's, you know, I mean, you get, you get leaders all up and down the thing, you know, that's why they went to the Super Bowl. So tough to lose CJ. Great guy. I tell you, I always felt so uncomfortable talking to CJ because he's clearly the coolest man on the planet. And I had no shot whenever yeah. I talked to him. I just felt like I was some, like a, felt like I was some, old guy you know uh that he was hi nice to see you but i don't you know i think he was i think he was as nervous around me as i was around him (laughs) he was so cool and i was not (laughs) yeah he's he's actually the second coolest person to burrow because in burrow's case it's so effortless 
I mean, yeah. nobody has ever been cooler without yeah. trying to be cool than Joe right. Burrow. It's yeah, uncanny. Yeah. Burrow's so cool. He doesn't mind talking to me. He makes me feel cool. Burrow's so cool. That's hard to do. That is hard to do. That is <laughs> that might be his greatest accomplishment. Correct. So that far. Going, the, going that going to the AFC championship game his second season. <laughs> so what impact do you think free agency has had on the Bengals draft board? I just think it opens it up for you might get drafted at 31. I mean, it just opens up the whole thing. You know, uh they could even, you know, I mean. Pro, you know, probably not the, I don't know. I could see him drafting him. I mean, if the, if a wide receiver was sitting at 31, he was clearly the best player. They'd take him. But I also think if they get that way at 31, they'd probably trade back. But this means, I mean, the fact that they were able to get those three offensive linemen, I just think it opens up the board for him. I also think it's, that's a good shot to get a good cornerback. You know, you can get a really good cornerback at 31. That's what I'm really, that's what the first thing I thought about when Carson Kappa came I'm thinking that's good. Now they can go. Now they can re-sign Eli, and then they can go get a guy that maybe can, uh, you know, maybe can learn a really good player that can learn under Eli and Wuzier. Uh, you know, right. so that's uh, that's what I'm. That's kind of what I'm. Uh, but again, I, it'd be interesting to see what what if what if a what if a T Higgins guy. You know, they got T Higgins at 33. What if there's a guy like him at 31? You know, you know right. what? There will be. I mean, there's so many wide receivers now yeah. in every draft that right. there's going to be a really good one. I, I find it unlikely uh, yeah. that they would make that move, but I guess you can't rule it out. They were very fortunate last year that the big three, the, the Cincinnati three-way basically played every snap. The odds of that happening in back-to-back -back seasons, unfortunately, would be low. So you yeah. would like to have another really potent weapon at that position if you can add one i uh, you'd have to talk about it that's all i have to say you'd have to talk about it uh but you know they always say uh you know one of the things about drafting a receiver about getting a guy like burrow was well now you don't have to draft the receiver so high well maybe you do because i mean maybe i mean you know uh t higgins was in the second round jamar was in the first round did tom brady ever have back-to-back -back drafts like that for receivers probably not worked out very well though you know, so who knows? But I, uh, I also think that they're in a prime spot to trade back because you you just mentioned it, receiver, and that's usually where there's kind of a run on receivers. Usually, typically, historically, right there, or it could be, you know, if 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 see how these quarterbacks vet. But maybe there's that's maybe that's I think they're hoping that that's where the quarterback run comes, and then you know who you know somebody's going to be, somebody's always. I mean, if they're trading to get up to get to a quarterback, they're desperate anyway. So uh, that, that, that would be interesting to see what kind of capital they could get there. That is the one thing about having the 31st pick. There are teams that are going to be thinking, okay, this quarterback is still on the board. If we get him, we'll control his rights for an extra year as a first round draft pick because of the fifth year option that we won't have if we take the same guy in the second round. So that makes that a very uh, appealing position to be in, in terms of trading back. On the other hand, the Bengals, there will be somebody on their board that's, you know, 12th, that's still there at 31 for whatever reason, because all these boards are different. And then they do the same math where they think, well, huh, if we draft the guy, we get a fifth year as well. So it's, there's some appeal in, in trading back, obviously, and getting extra picks, but there's also something to be said for controlling that guy for one more year. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, when I, that's why I think the quarterbacks go earlier. 
you know, the run probably going to be too late. You know, it's probably going to be too late now. Now, you know, 10 years ago, good spot for a quarterback run there, you know. Uh, but I think or, or before the fifth year option came in. But now it's probably going to be at 17, 18, 19. You know, I mean, uh, and I don't know, the kid from Pitt, they're raving about the kid. But this happens. Every, doesn't it happen every draft? Whatever quarterback, there's always a quarterback that has a, you know, good combine, good pro day, and all of a sudden he goes from being just a guy you're talking about to, well, he's going to go on. He's going to be one of the, you know, he's going to, I guess they're talking about this kid in the top 10 now. So does that, uh, does that, does that ignite a run? You know, does that ignite the run earlier than, than, you know, and that's just the way it is with quarterbacks. Now they're so coveted and especially the Bengals are, are the best example of what a quarterback can do for you. So it's, uh, Probably there. Probably the run is going to happen before 31, but there will be a good wide receiver there. You know, I think T. Higgins might have been their 17th player on the board or whatever. Uh, you know, which is why they, which was why they went for him and not Logan Wilson. I mentioned earlier Deshaun Watson's deal in Cleveland. It's all guaranteed. Nobody's ever given a player a guaranteed deal like that in the NFL. This is like a baseball contract instead of a football contract. Have there been any developments in free agency? Maybe that's one of them that you look at and think, huh, this could pose problems for the Bengals down the road because of the precedent that it's setting. Yeah. I, I just, we'll see how the Watson thing plays out. If that thing blows up, that's going to be a, a, a damning thing for guaranteed money. You know what I mean? Now, if he takes him to the playoffs for the next two years, oh, everybody's got, you know, cause I, 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 there was a note, I think by Florio on pro football talk uh, the other day, the ramification of the NFL, a copycat league. So everybody's trading now. Nobody's nobody wants picks to trade. Although they, they got to be trading with somebody. Somebody likes picks because they've been able to find teams. But I think Mike's point was it's a copycat league, but only if you win. So we'll see what happens with Watson and the Browns. I mean, that thing could get ugly quick or he could, you know, he could uh, they could win the division. You know, and then I think to me, that's where the fate of guaranteed money will be decided. Um, but let's face it. I, I, I guess, I guess guaranteed money, you know, guaranteed money, I guess is coming. Is it coming at some point in football? I don't know. I think it's an interesting, uh, it's just a different game of baseball. Very much. So I think one thing that's happened that would be a big concern in my opinion for the Bengals would be the deals that some of these wide receivers are getting. I mean, oh, Tyree kill $30 million yeah. a year, Devonte Adams, $28 million a year. Prior to this wave of free agency, there was only one wide receiver making more than roughly $20 million a year, and that was DeAndre Hopkins, 27.25, and he only had a two-year deal. The other top receivers were all right around 20. Keenan Allen, Amari Cooper, Chris Godwin got $20 million a year. Mike Williams got $20 million a year this, this year in free agency. So instead of what normally happens, where these the top of this pay scale rises incrementally from year to year, this was like uh, you know, the 40-inch the vertical at the combine where suddenly the pay scale for the top wide receivers just jumped way, way up. And the Bengals obviously have two young ones that uh, they would like to pay, pay and like to keep. To go with a franchise quarterback. Correct. So I mean, it's, uh, it would strike me as being virtually impossible, wouldn't it? But maybe they can find a way. I mean, uh, you know, um, it's... Yeah, that I think that's that that's eye opening. Uh, I think also, uh, I think also, the other thing is look at what's look at how 
look at how the quarterbacks are, are, are just, I mean, I don't know, you know, Joe might make 60 million. I don't know. I mean, the way, look at the Watson deal, the, 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 the just, I mean, I mean, the, the lengths that teams are going to find that guy. And it just seems like they get to be fewer and fewer quarterbacks. You know, I mean, they just get to be, I mean, there's 32 teams and there just doesn't seem to be enough. And it seems to dwindle by the year. And I don't when know you why, get... because everybody's, and I don't know why, because everybody's playing seven on seven from, from high school to college to, you know, I mean, nobody hands off anymore. Everybody should be, should be expert passers. Yeah. Well, the why is the jump from college to the NFL is that significant. Yeah. It's so oh, much more complicated. The athletes are so much better. If, you know, if you're a great college quarterback, it doesn't necessarily mean anything when you get to the NFL. Yeah. So uh, when you I mean, find one like Joe Burrow, <laughs> you make sure that you keep them. And you keep trying. And if you can't get Burrow, you know, it sets you back for, you know, I mean, it, 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 it takes down coaches. It takes down general managers. It takes down players. If you don't have one, I mean, you know, I mean, Chicago, look at, look at Chicago, you know, say what you, you know, people taking shots at the Bengals, Horty, but they've always had a quarterback, it seems like. I mean, there was a stretch there at the turn of the century, um, you know, well, in the 90s when, when they, they drafted Klingler and moved for, uh, away from Boomer, and they couldn't get it figured out for a decade, you know, and that was, and that, and that really cost them. That really cost them. But there are some, like the Browns haven't figured it out for three decades, you know, and some franchises like the Falcons, they just really hit it with Matt Ryan. Just that, you know, but the Bengals have had down through the years, they've always pretty much always had a, a, a if he's not a Pro Bowl quarterback, he's close. And Andy was on the, you know, people people love to take shots at Andy, but he won games and he was went to a couple of Pro Bowls. So, you know, to me, it's 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 years like this where you say, wow, we uh, man, you know, good to have a quarterback. Let's worry about the rest. That's definitely a great position to be in. Final question for you. I appreciate your time. You are a dogged reporter. Have you found out what kind of crackers and cupcakes Joe Burrow served at his house last Friday? I have failed on that. Um, and it's a great question. But I, but I don't know. You know, I was thinking about calling the linemen, but do you think they'd really know? I mean, I, you know, could you imagine Ted Karras saying, oh, yeah, they were uh, – and because I was, it's interesting you should ask me that, Horty, because I was thinking I'd love to know that, but how would I, you know, I might, you know, if I asked that of Ted Karras, he might never talk to me again. <laughs> you know, I mean, so, you know, hey, what kind of, you know, but he, who knows? No one, Teddy might have said, oh, yeah, we had uh, like Triscuits. Had, I love Triscuits. Yeah, yeah. That's why I signed. You know, Cheese Its, you know, and, uh, uh, and the cupcakes thing kind of threw me. I don't know. That was a, I, I want to know what bakery they might have got that from. That would have been yeah, a could, he, he could have been a buskin guy, maybe Cervantes, yeah, or you know, one of the more like gourmet yeah. bakeries that that strictly makes cupcakes. It's all possible. Joe's got good uh, taste. Uh, I just had this vision of him like where you know, like uh, Joe with his glasses leaning down, leaning down and pulling them out of the stove. But I don't think that. Uh, <laughs> I don't think. I don't think that. I don't think that happened. You know, he's cool, but he's not, he's cool. But, you know, that that's why he's cool. I guess he probably, yeah. probably 
probably dropped in, you know, he probably ordered out and dropped in 60. But uh, Horty, the next time you talk to me, I hope to have an answer for that. Well, you won't have to try to get it because soon he'll have a cupcake endorsement deal. And then, yeah. then we'll know where yeah. he gets uh, where he gets his cupcakes. You got it. Well, I heard I just uh, when I heard crackers, of course, my my uh, my eyes, uh, my uh, my ears perked up because I, I love crackers. In fact, in fact, Jack, Jack Brennan, the old great Bengals public relations band said, uh, text me, he goes, uh, 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 I can't believe Barrow didn't have you over for crackers because uh, <laughs> PJ and Jack always would put uh, those uh, Scott uh, would always put the chili crackers from, you know, be it Gold Star, you know, because we went there. And he put them in a load them up and put them in my mailbox because he knows how much I'd love crackers. So maybe he had that. Maybe he had a, a maybe he had chili crackers. Karis did, did such a great job on Bengals.com with his uh, eating chili. He and Kappa, that maybe they brought some over. We will have to find out. Butch, this has been fun as always. I appreciate your time. Look forward to seeing you in person sometime soon. Always great talking to the best Ohio broadcaster and Syracuse legend. Thank you very much, Morty. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast presented by Ultimate Bengals. Download Ultimate Bengals ahead of the 2022 season. It's free-to-play next-level fantasy football with fantastic Bengals prizes. Get it now on the App Store and Google Play. And if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast. And if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find us. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.